one of the things that, again, is very important to leadership foundations and seeing is that cities are actually living, breathing organisms. Um, they're not static. Um, and so you oftentimes read in the scripture how God will talk to a city just like you might talk to one of your sons. You're listening to the Leadership Foundation podcast, City as Playground. I'm Rick Enlow. Today, a conversation with Dave Hillis, president of Leadership Foundations. Today's session is on seeing the city. And it's part of really a, a collection of sessions that we're going to be doing. Talk to us about that. Yeah, Rick, there's a, there's a bit of a background here. Um, and Leadership Foundations uh, has been around now about 50 years. And I've uh, had a chance to be around it for the last uh, almost 20. Um, one of the things that we uh, have talked about a lot is what is the unique gift of the Leadership Foundations? Um, and I should even go down uh, church history's path a little bit. Uh, we've likened ourselves to Catholic orders. One of the really fascinating things about the Catholic Church is that it has had the uh, genius to be able to look at women and men who have had a particular gift and be able to say yes to it without it splintering off and becoming its own denomination. Mm -hmm. And they call that a charism. So in the case of Benedict um, in the 5th century, he had a particular charism around work and praying and studying. And, of course, Ignatius in you know, the 1500s um, had a particular charism. So I've, I've done a lot of thought about that and have decided when I think about Sam Shoemaker, who was the original visionary of Leadership Foundations, and then my predecessor, Reed Carpenter, that the particular gift that they received from the Holy Spirit was that they actually saw the city as God's playground rather than a battleground. Mm -hmm. And that, that is a very, I think, significant statement. And if you begin to drill down into what that means, it, it's really a game changer. It uh, changes the way you think about God. It changes the way you think about your um, neighbor. It changes the way you think about uh, the economy. Um, so that's the general framework um, of what uh, what Leadership Foundations is about, is we have women and men around the world that are uh, embedded in their city, and they've chosen to see Delhi as a playground, to see Dallas as a playground, and begin to do work as a result of that. And so my hope, actually, with this podcast is uh, to be able to explore the ramifications of what it means to see uh, your city as a playground and, uh, and what does that look like in real time? And I think uh, the hope, of course, is for us to get women and men who are out there um, on the front lines doing that and, and what kind of difference this makes in the lives of people who live in cities. So. Yeah, and I think um, although we'll probably start broadcasting this to people that know Leadership Foundations, but then, you know, can travel, mm -hmm. like you can kind of push it to our friends. But we want to kind of explain the format in that we're going to have some of these sessions that are sort of the theological, philosophical, anthropological sort of uh, stage that we set or yeah, exactly. foundation. And then we're going to chase that with the subsequent podcast of somebody on the ground in a city, in exactly. a playground, yep. you know, that's actually uh, put legs to, to what we're talking about. Yeah. So that's kind of the format. So every month we'll, we'll have uh, a you know, conversation with you and then we'll follow with uh, somebody from any one of the, the, the cities. Um, you know, that the leadership, uh, local leadership foundations are, are located. So that's, that's, I think, a great format. And so today, we kind of want to get into the, uh, the first session, mm -hmm. um, seeing the city or seeing 
God who sees. Yeah, exactly. Where do you want to crack into that? Well, where I'd like to start uh, is actually even before we get to the city uh, is is the importance of seeing. Um, I, th I think that this is uh, a concept that um, has huge ramifications, both theologically, uh, what I would like to say is anthropologically, and ultimately socially. And uh, and so um, oftentimes when leadership foundations talk about faith, uh, when we talk about you know, what does it mean to um, grow up uh, in, into the faith? Um, for us, what we uh, oftentimes reflect is it has, uh, it's a function of how you see. Uh, Stanley Hauerwas, who's a, an important theological voice, he uh, teaches at Duke Divinity, um, asked this really fascinating question. He said, is it, it true or false? Uh, you can only act within the world in which you see. Um, and oftentimes when I teach a class, I will try to tease that question out because inevitably you'll have two groups. Uh, there will be a group that instantly will run to the book of Hebrews and say, well, no, I mean, that's false because faith is the evidence, you know, of things not seen. Right. Um, and so we'll play and talk about that. At some point, someone will say, well, you know, it depends what you mean by see. And of course, it's like, is it just physical sight? And we'll begin to kind of talk about that. In the end, though, what I do, because I'm the teacher of the class, and this is my bias, is that I think the answer to Howard Wass's question is true. You can only act within the world in which you see. Um, for me, theologically, that actually starts, interestingly enough, in the book of Genesis. Um, uh, one of the really fascinating chapters uh, with regard to the development of who God is is that the very first person that the scripture records naming God uh, is an Egyptian sex slave by the name of Hagar. Mm. Um, and Hagar is the one who has an encounter with God and then names God and says, you are the God who sees. Um, and so I think it's, it's, uh, it's important um, to have everyone know that the, the very first characteristic that's named about this God who is mystery is it's the God who sees. And I think you find that then carrying out through the rest of the scripture where God sees the plight of the, you know, um, mm -hmm. Israelites in Egypt uh, and decides to act. Um, he looks down from the heavens and sees what's taking place, you know, amongst his people and, you know, Babylonia, I mean, et cetera, et cetera. Um, so that theological um, idea um, of if we're going to be uh, made into the image of who God wants us to be, um, one of the primary functions is that we're going to see clearly. Um, we're going to see how God sees, and, and that really is a game changer. Yeah, when I was reading uh, your writing and your research on that, it was kind of startling to me that I sort of read over the story of Hagar. You know, I mean, I, I sort mm -hmm. of thought, yeah, well, you know, she's, <clears throat> you know, she's kind of a bit player. I got to stay with, you know, the Israelis here, you know, and, and whatever. Yeah, and, Abraham and Sarah. Yeah, you know, the big two. I mean, it seems like it. <laughs> and then you just keep charging ahead to get to Motown, you know, because, you know, Moses <laughs> is the man. But, but like, I think it's so interesting how it, it's in the, um, you know, that what God sees, you know, in that narrative is the crushing disappointment and the sort of, you know, the exiling, uh, you know, and just the, you know, and I think it's just so interesting that, that um, anyway, I thank you for, you know, steering me that direction because I, I yeah. think it's easy to, to overlook that because, you know, we're looking for, uh, you know, we want the winning, you know. Absolutely. Idea. Yeah, and I, you know, again, we'll, we'll talk more about this, I think, over the, you know, the next few podcasts, but um, 
Yeah, God sees for sure, uh, but God sees from a particular perspective. And, and one of the most radical parts of the scripture is that God actually sees from the place um, of the margins rather than the power. Mm-hmm. And so as opposed to seeing from Abraham and Sarah's position, which is what you expect, uh, he actually sees from Hagar's position or she sees from Hagar's position. And I think I would even go further, and this gets a bit philosophical, Rick, but um, I think embedded in all of us is an Abraham and Hagar-like reality. Um, and I think our best sight, uh, our clearest thinking, um, comes when we are able to actually tether into the Hagar part of who we are, um, mm-hmm. where we've been marginalized, uh, where we've found we've been out of power. And so when you work in the city, um, this is absolutely key, is where you see the city from um, will be a determinator. And yeah. one of the things that Leadership Foundations tries to argue for is that you need to see it um, in all of its sort of totality, but don't ever um, not see it from the streets, uh, from you know communities of poverty, mm-hmm. oftentimes those that have been left out. So, well, you know, um, in in some of the writing, like that, you know, you shared with me <clears throat> some incredible quotes. You know, Chesterton, you know, uh, yeah. you know, Merton, all these different ones. But more more contemporary um, a thing that kind of crossed our paths was uh, Christian Wyman, who you know is the uh, Former editor of Poetry Magazine, right, who is right. actually you know uh, terminally ill, right. incredible communicator, and I uh, that that book, The Bright Abyss, is right. one that we both kind of ran into. Yeah, and to me, you know, in light of uh, what we're talking about with Hagar and seeing from that perspective, that I mean, that's really what he's he's he really touches on that a lot. He, he does, yeah. I mean, it, I mean, you could almost go so far as to say that that Christian says, you know, until I had this terminal disease and began to confront it, um, I was blind. Yeah. Uh, now as a result of it, um, I see better. And I, I, think that that's, I think that's a consistent theme beginning in Genesis all the way through uh, Revelation. Um, and so to be able to pay attention um, to that theologically is, is, is key. Yeah. Um, you know, the second piece, you know, Rick, that's important about seeing, though, is, is the anthropological piece. Um, now, when you say that, I mean, that's a big word. It's always fun to say. It makes you I feel smart. I try yeah. to say it every day a couple times. But, but really, <laughs> we should, uh, you know, um, sort of break it down in the sense. We, I think most of us know theological stuff is, you know, God, the Bible, and all that. Anthropological yeah, so if you said theological, it's, you know, to break it down, it would be, you know, study of God. So theo, God, you know, ology, study. Anthropological, what we mean by that is study of humankind. How, how does humankind become humankind? What, what shapes us? What, you know, forms and informs us? And, uh, you know, there's a, a number of different theories. One of the people who I'm going to be very excited to talk to you about uh, is, a, is a Frenchman by the name of René Girard who mm-hmm. has come up with a, an anthropological idea that um, I think is deeply resonant with the scripture, um, is one who, uh, who considers himself to be a person of faith, mm-hmm. uh, but very much you know, pushes the envelope a bit. And his central argument is that along with our high theology, we have to have an equally high anthropology. Mm-hmm. Um, he, he quotes Simone Weil, who is a, a French intellectual, who argues actually that the scripture is primarily an anthropological book, um, 
rather than a theological book. It's, it's how people like you and I encounter this thing called God and then begin to behave. Um, so in that, um, again, it becomes really key, and, and this would be a, a Gerard argument, uh, that we are constituted. We, you know, we become who we become based on our imitation of other people's desires. Mm-hmm. I mean, at the end of the day, we're copycats. And, yeah. and he goes he goes to the crib. He says, you watch a bunch of little kids in a, in a nursery, and their primary activity is simply copying one another. Well, implicit in copying is that you're able to see, right? I, yeah. I, I can't copy you, imitate you if I can't see you. And so that's the second implication of seeing is it's not just theological, but it's anthropological. It's the way we become yeah. who we become. And I think that um, most of us say in our standard Western education, we run into a lot of anthropology, like um, uh, people that have, a lot of times philosophers that have tried to determine, like, hey, if you, if you look at it from this point of view, you can understand why the humans are doing what they're doing. Like Freud would say that there's like a, a sexual, you know, sort of basis. Energy, you know, yeah, yeah. yeah. And then, of course... Uh, um, you know, I guess Nietzsche would say it's power based, and then and then you know Marx is saying you, you know you, you, right. if you take economy out of it, you can't explain it. But I actually think that um, I've really been impressed with Girard because I was you know I, I as we learn more about him, I don't see him um, trying to overhaul those or or use mm-hmm. those as a template, but comes from a completely different you know anthropology, which right. is to me, like you said, it it it, it like fits yeah. what's happening. Yeah, so a couple things, and you know, we'll we'll uh, we'll have a couple podcasts just about Rene Girard because I I do think that while it can come across initially as a little bit, you know, sort of the classic French intellectualism, and it's like, you know, what does this have to actually do with like today? Um, I I think having a good conversation about this, there's some profound ramifications to life of faith, you know, how we do work in the city. Um, but just as a, a quick touchstone with Gerard, um, uh, one of his great, great statements is that Jesus, you know, was the most unoriginal, you know, human being that ever lived. And, of course, instantly people will go, well, that's just not true. That right. I mean, this is Jesus. Yeah. And he said, well, Jesus' own words. I don't do anything um, on my own accord, but simply, you know, look at my Father in heaven and imitate it, mm-hmm. you know, down on, on earth. And so one of the things about Gerard's anthropology over and against, you know, whether it's Freud or Nietzsche or Heidegger, is that they all argue it um, from a central place of you or me as the individual. Um, and that somehow that, that contained in this thing called Rick Enloe or Dave Hillis um, is, is all that I need and what I need, and it's going to be made or broken by, you know, how I steward this. Um, Gerard comes in and says, that's a myth. Um, in fact, he'll go further. He'll say, that's, that's a damnable lie. Um, the truth is, is that we are interdependent um, and we um, are uh, shaped by each other and we stand on each other's shoulders. And to deny that interdependence is effectively to buy into a lie. And so his anthropology uh, separates um, from from so many others simply because of that fact. Um, we are woven together. A guy like Dr. King um, grabs this right. He, you know, in his great civil rights speeches, um, time and time again, will talk about how uh, an injustice 
you know, in one place is an injustice everywhere. Mm -hmm. um, and to not do something um, means it's going to impact um, what isn't done over here. And so he got that fabric. Uh, I would argue that Gandhi, you know, understood, again, that interrelatedness. Um, and so uh, Gerard very much fits into that, that long trajectory. Well, it's, it's, it seems like, for me, only recently obvious that cities are a collection of men and women, humans. And if we don't have an anthropology, <laughs> you know, because a lot of times, I, I, I guess the way I was mm -hmm. brought up is that if we're going to do something, you know, that's, uh, you know, we're going to, you know, serve God in the city, we just got to know a lot about God, mm -hmm, exactly. you know, and just show up and, you know, and then make sure everybody else, you know, gets a, a clear understanding. And it's, uh, I think, s such a important distinctive that leadership foundations are about knowing and seeing the city. Absolutely. Yeah. 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 And again, we, you know, we, we know these verses already. I mean, we, you know, we throw things like, you know, Rene Girard and mimetic theory and everyone kind of goes, uh oh, what's happening here? But it's Jesus saying, you know, it's the two great commandments, you know, love God, but also love your neighbor. Um, mm -hmm. And that he couples those things together and how often and subtly uh, we oftentimes uncouple them. And, you know, we we see this, you know, obviously in the church. I mean, there's like this kind of vertical, you know, thing on Sunday um, that we oftentimes, you know, uh, recognize it doesn't feel like it has anything to do with Monday through Saturday. Yeah. And, uh, and so that's why an anthropology, you know, and a theology uh, is so important with regard to, to seeing. Mm -hmm. And then the final thing I would just say about seeing is, is the sociological implications. Um, you know, time and again, um, if you're going to do work in the city, um, it, it really is um, your ability to see your neighbor. Um, you know, again, one of, the, one of the pretty radical things that I think Jesus says when he's talking about, you know, heaven and hell and how little he actually talks about heaven and hell at one level, but the one place he does in definite terms uh, is Matthew 25. Um, and there, of course, it's your ability, you know, to see Jesus um, in him or her who is in prison, mm -hmm. hungry, you know, naked. Uh, and so if you can't see your neighbor, um, then you're not going to be able to act. And so uh, a leadership foundation and our approach is, um, who's your neighbor? Uh, what does your city look like? What, what is her history? Um, and to take all of that in, because that will then begin to shape, you know, how you come up with programs, um, you know, what kind of staff you assemble together. All of that is, is based on seeing correctly. And the, and the social uh, construct of, of cities are so unique to, to their location. I mean, and, you know, Absolutely. and their histories. Yeah. 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 I mean, in fact, just again, we'll, we'll talk more about this, but that's um, one of the things that, again, is very important to leadership foundations and seeing is that cities are actually living, breathing organisms. Um, they're not static. Um, and so you oftentimes read in the scripture how. God will talk to a city just like you might talk to one of your sons, um, sometimes lovingly and caressingly, other times like, you know, you better get your act together. Mm -hmm. But the point of it is that if a city is a living, breathing organism, then you have to be able to see it um, and see her um, and then accordingly, you know, begin to bring programs together. So, And one of the things that... Um that I was going to bring up and have you just articulate a little bit mm -hmm. is that there, there are a couple of actual like city 
uh, you know, big picture city narratives in the Bible. And you, you touch on that, the, uh, the Jerusalem, um, you know, kind of, uh, image and then Babylon, Babylon yeah. as sort of like, you know, two different approaches. So talk to me about that. Yeah. I mean, in fact, you know, really beginning in, in Genesis, um, you know, uh, Jerusalem, which, um, you know, kind of ebbs and flows, but is, is, is almost, you know, etymologically by way of words, you know, um, the, the city of peace, uh, that where God resides. And then Babylon becomes the great archetype of, of the opposite of that. Yeah, I almost, I almost think when you say Babylon, you almost need like kettle drums. Like, you know, Babylon, boom, boom, boom. You know, like it's just kind yeah, of this yeah. big, yeah, you know, yeah. scary yeah. kind of place. Yeah. And then, and you can watch, I mean, the scripture. I mean, it's, you know, there's 66, you know, books in the Bible and, and uh, you, they will have a trajectory all the way, you know, into Revelation, which is, of course, the last book itself. Yeah. Uh, and there's this kind of conclusion. Um, and again, leadership foundations, we oftentimes laugh, laugh how, you know, the story in the Bible begins in a garden where we have these sort of hints of cities. Uh, but the final chapter uh, is in, you know, Jerusalem herself. Mm-hmm. Um, where Babylon is finally, you know, taken care of as, as sort of the arch enemy of all things in Jerusalem, and and so the 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 biblical narrative is really, uh, I think, you know, it can be argued is uh, is an urban narrative. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it's constantly talking about cities and and cities. I mean, Saint Paul himself um, would have had no career uh, if he wasn't hanging out in cities. Right. Um, so leadership foundations are partly trying to recover that, you know, in the scripture because mm-hmm. we. We oftentimes read it through sort of a, a rural, almost suburban kind of mentality. And, and if God really got God's act together, we would all go back to sheep and goats and, you mm-hmm. know, hanging out like that. And we said, no, 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 it's your your future is an urban future. And it's so interesting that the, the theme, um, whenever, uh, you know, there was a, a problem, historical problem, and people were you know, kidnapped from Jerusalem and they were scattered or whatever, the longing they had to get back to the city. I mean, yeah. it's just, it's what, what it's about. Yeah. 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 I mean, the, the, again, lots, lots of stuff here to unpack. I mean, one of the, the famous books is by Lewis Mumford, um, you know, the history of cities and his, his central argument, which I agree with is that cities and part of the reason cities are so important is that they were created um, with a sacred center. Um, uh, the most ancient cities and, and really even up when you go to Europe and, and other places you'll see in the very center of a city always a cathedral or a temple or you know something mm-hmm. that, that, that sort of indicates and hints that if you're going to deal with the city you're going to have to deal with its spirituality yeah um, and uh, so yeah absolutely well even uh, I remember uh, this is several years ago when Sim City which is a sort of a game you know computer animated game and what you would do is you're responsible for building a city so you would get some real estate and you'd Mm. have to put in power and water and roads and businesses and then people would start moving into the city i mean that that was like an automated function if you made the city you know functional all of a sudden houses would change colors and they would fill up oh wow but there was no function in the game to put a church in Mm. but what would happen is when people started coming all of a sudden it would just put a church in Oh, wow. Yeah. Like, I mean, yeah. you know, yeah. it was like part of the social fabric of people getting together was a, a place to worship and a spiritual place. So even in that um, sort of fun kids game, it was there was kind of a profound uh, mm-hmm. center, spiritual mm-hmm. center to the city. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. So, 
Now, our idea here is that uh, we want to now um, give an, an illustration of what we're talking about in uh, real time. And so we're, we're going to produce a podcast that will come out next that uh, will demonstrate somebody who has uh, eyesight. Wonderful. Yeah. 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 I mean, we have we have many, you know, women and men uh, throughout the world, you know, that are that are doing exactly that. And it, it will be very enjoyable with you to uh, sort of pull out of them um, housing their particular city um, as God's playground, a place where the Holy Spirit is afoot um, and, and how they're seeing that and then it forming and informing, you know, the kind of work that they do. Yeah. And then just to uh, take a look ahead. Uh, after we uh, illustrate, you know, uh, a local leadership foundation that's doing work on the ground, um, then every month we're going to produce one of these and uh, we'll have a chat, we'll have a conversation, and then we'll illustrate that with uh, some other city mm-hmm. and some other leader. And so coming up, we have uh, not only seeing the city in this particular episode, but why seeing matters. We're going to mm-hmm. talk about that and the urbanization of the world. And like you said, just really unpack some of these things so that uh, sometimes when you listen to something for the first time, uh, you know, it could be that, you know, words like anthrop- anthropology or whatever seem kind of strange. But as we sort of develop a shared vocabulary, we can, you know, kind of keep pushing on yeah. uh, what, what's really underneath and, uh, and pulsing through leadership foundations. Yeah, and and I think that some of the things you just listed, Rick, I, I, one of the one of the metaphors that I think might even be helpful for people. Um, it, it's been helpful for me when I think now about you know I've been working at this thing for you know thirty plus years, um, and recognizing the fact that I didn't see the city when I started uh, as a playground. Um, it was a battleground, and you know I think some good things happened. I mean we were out there you know um, fussing with stuff, but but I really lived for a number of years um, in the city, um, working in the city, ministering in the city, with the very real notion that this is a battleground. Mm-hmm. And, and you, you get armed, you get ready to go, and at the end of the day, you, you hope you're still alive, uh, and then you get out of the city. Um, and the game changer for me, you know, were you know, people working in the leadership foundations, the Tom Skinners of this world that said, um, you are not going to fight for this place very effectively if you don't love it, uh, if you don't want to live in it. Um, and so those men and women uh, began then to put glasses on my head um, so that I could see. And so I think that a number of the things that we'll be talking about, what I hope, you know, whether it's a word like anthropology or theology, is that um, people could kind of relax a bit and say, you know, uh, these are glasses that I can try on. Mm-hmm. And if, uh, if they help sharpen my vision, um, you know, maybe I'll use them. And some of these might not work, um, and, and that's okay. I think the, the hope of this time is to, is to be in a kind of conversation about, you know, what, uh, what we're learning uh, all together about, um, you know, uh, loving God in cities uh, as playgrounds. And so that will be great. Yeah, well, I, I think for me, um, one of the most significant seeing events happened last year during uh, Holy Week when I went to the Stations of the Cross in downtown Tacoma. Mm-hmm. And I mean, I was going to places that I didn't even know existed. I mean, I didn't even know what this building was for. And uh, so we were at the, you know, uh, a place where people can get food and help and transitional housing and homeless and whatever, you know, and, and help. And uh, in each location, uh, they were going to have somebody from the 
a particular building come out and pray with us. Yeah. Like instead of us, you know, praying for them because they're desperate, you know, like they were <laughs> going to pray for us. And I actually thought that, you know, when the person comes out of the homeless uh, shelter, you know, they would say, okay, let's pray. Hey God, uh, you know, what's your problem? I mean, yeah. what am I doing yeah. here? You know, yeah. that kind of thing. Yeah. And, uh, Every single person that prayed, I mean, it changed the way I see the city. I still remember at the at the you know homeless shelter, uh, uh, a woman coming out and, and praying, you know, with all sincerity that um, God, until you know you provided this, I I, I didn't really mm-hmm. understand how great you were and what your grace was about. I mean, just stuff like that. Yeah. It was just great. Yeah. And so, so I think that experience when you talk about seeing, I think you know what I, I don't think I saw it. You know, and I mean, I'm just starting to. Yeah, well, and I think we all are. And I think the profound thing that you just reflected on, um, Rick, is, and this again is a Girardian idea, is that when we actually begin to see through another's eyes, um, and this isn't just something kind of poetic or sort of metaphysical, it's, it's our imitation of another. And so as I imitate you, I begin to, you know, see like you see. And that's absolutely key uh, to do work in the city is how does a person who's homeless see the city? You know, um, how does, um, you know, the person who's found themselves in, you know, multi-generational poverty see the city? And you see some of the most surprising things. It's it's the Hagar, you know, that uh, that surfaces. Yeah. And, uh, and you know, I, I think, you know, getting that we're close to the end. I mean, one of the things I've loved about the book uh, of John is you remember that as uh, Jesus is beginning to call his disciples, um, one of the very first things he says to them is not, you know, a sermon. Uh, it's not some, you know, articulation of some deep theology. He says, come and see. Um, and I think that is the invitation. That's the welcome mat. Um, mm-hmm. You know, it, it, we can talk. I mean, and I, I love to talk like anybody. But at some point, at the end of the day, um, I think the the, the Jesus invitation, which I hope is the leadership foundation, uh, foundation invitation, is come and see. Um, mm-hmm. And as you see, um, you'll now uh, be able to act in newer and creative and, you know, and generative ways. Well, in closing, talk to me just for a second about this 50-year history of Leadership Foundations is uh, a, a book is coming out. And it's yeah. right away. And uh we can make that search on the website and, uh, and, you know, figure out how to get a hold of one, but just tell me, give me a little snippet, a little. Yeah. It, it really goes back to the, to how we started. Um, we, uh, the leadership foundations, um, officially, um, you know, uh, puts its stake in the ground in 1962, uh, through a guy by the name of the Reverend Samuel Shoemaker, who was an Episcopalian priest. And, uh, one of his, claims to fame was he uh, he helped uh, write the uh, theology behind the 12-step program for uh, Alcoholics Anonymous with a, a Jesuit priest but his other thing is he in Pittsburgh used to um, introduce people to Pittsburgh and that it might become as famous for God as it currently was for Steele mm-hmm. and so the Pittsburgh Leadership Foundation our very first one came out of that context um, and we've been at it now all these years. We'll hear about, um, you know, uh, in 2012, we recognized, one, we had a story to tell, um, and two, uh, nobody knew about this story, and so um, it was maybe time to, to uh, put a book together. So I've had the good fortune of being um, what I would describe as the principal author 
Um, I'm not the only author. In fact, this book, um, if I was to name all of the authors, uh, it would be, um, our name would be Legion, for we are sure, many. Yeah, yeah. Um, but I've had a chance to be the, the primary pen, and uh, the, the, the book is called Cities, colon, Playground or Battleground. Mm-hmm. Um, what 50 years has taught leadership foundations about spiritual and social renewal. Um, and it's six um, chapters that start with the Sam Shoemaker story, um, describe um, who we are on the ground. We talk about the urbanization of the world. Uh, we talk about how other people can get engaged in their city. And then um, the other thing is that the, the book has the option for all of our local leadership foundations to write a seventh chapter, which would be their own story. Um, so I'm, I'm quite proud of this book. Um, I, uh, I tell people, though, that uh, it's taken years of my life for me. I, I, you know, whatever age I die, I want someone to stand up at my funeral and say, he should have lived another 10 years, but he had to write <laughs> it, that book. There's that book. That right? book. Maybe that the, book just killed the him. The book went on top of the, <laughs> top of the box so you can yeah. you finish it off. Well, that's great, and we'll keep our eye out because I know it's, it's coming out right away. So uh, we'll have more on that uh, in the ensuing podcast. Absolutely. So, all right. Yeah, Thanks, absolutely. Dave. Well, thank you, Rick. Real pleasure. For more information or to interact with us, go to leadershipfoundations.org.